Good morning. So I got a text from James like 11 a.m. yesterday. <laughs> hey, any chance you can share in the morning? <laughs> sure, I can come up with something. It's, it's, um, I'm, I'm always happy to, um, give me one second here. Okay. It's a privilege to share with you guys and always a joy. Um, I want to share with you this morning, I believe I, I shared this message a number of years ago. I couldn't find in my notes exactly when. And I had another idea, actually, um, but I kept coming back to this message, and it really felt like this was the one I was supposed to share with you. And the message is loving difficult people. Anyone have any difficult people in their life? Um, you know, like someone who easily crosses boundaries, maybe someone like that, or someone who's bossy, maybe someone who gives you unsolicited advice, something like that. I was on a road trip one time with a friend going to a Christian conference, and he often just gave me driving advice. He said, hey, you should get around that guy, you know, as we're going down the highway and, you know, we're going to park. Hey, you should park right there, you know, I'm like, Okay. <laughs> I was at a, a, a different Christian retreat one time with these men, and there was one man who felt like, I guess he felt like, we weren't doing enough for God. So he got us all up early. He went around, get up, wake up, we got to pray, guys, get up, everybody wake up, and we've got we've to spend some time in prayer this morning. Like, it wasn't on the schedule. He wasn't even in charge, but he had a feeling, you know. <laughs> that we should pray. <laughs> there was another time uh, I was going on a missions trip to Cambodia, and we're on this long, you know, the flight is quite long to get over there, and, uh, and this guy came along with me to, you know, be a part of it and support me and so forth, and he was a talker. Like, I don't know if you've ever had a friend who, like, dominates conversation, like, like, talks and talks and talks and, like, you can't really get a word in edgewise because their stories like never end. <laughs> and he's just like, the first two to three hours of the flight, like he's just going. Like, you know, I'm trying to give hints, you know, like I'm looking at my iPad, you know, and I'm kind of looking distracted. And at one point I looked, I tried to look sleepy. Like the hints were not working. They were not, like he just kept going. Like he didn't read body language apparently. And so then we get to the uh, place, and it was a pretty big church in, in Phnom Penh, Cambodia, uh, by this uh, American missionary who'd, who'd lived there. And, we, you know, he knew our message, you know, about the Father's love, but, we, you know, we didn't really know each other. And uh, when you're in ministry and you go and you speak in somebody's church, trust is kind of a big deal. Like, the pastor kind of wants to see... You're like a normal guy. Like, you're not going to come into his church and, like, blow stuff up with something super weird that he didn't know about. Like, you know what I mean? Like, they care about these things, right? So we're just meeting this guy, and we're at dinner. And we're just trying to get to know each other, and I'm trying to show him I'm a normal guy. I'm not going to blow up your church. It's going to be the message we talked about. <laughs> you know what? You can know what to expect. But the talker was there, and he took over. And he talked the whole dinner, like he, like he wouldn't stop. And he gets into all these crazy stories and all this weird stuff. And 
I'm like, I hope this guy is still going to have me speak in the morning. <laughs> and it, it turned out okay, you know. But some people cross boundaries. You know, some people do. They, they don't get it. You know, maybe they're wounding or whatever. And loving people like that is important. It's, it's, it's you know, sometimes like, I just don't want to deal with it, right? Like, I just give me something else to do. Like, but it's important to deal with it. it. It matters, you know, and it matters a lot for our growth and even potentially the person's healing, you know, if we build a bridge of love where they can, can receive it. But what about someone who has betrayed you? Have you ever been betrayed? You know, what about when someone's done, done something that's really hurtful? You know, that's more difficult for sure. When we were new in the Dominican Republic, there was this uh, missionary down there. He, he was in his retirement years, and he was serving the Lord on the mission field, which is pretty cool, right, to do in your retirement years. Kind of admirable, I thought. And I thought, you know, probably a mature guy. Cause, you know, I was pretty young at the time, and he, he was older. And I thought, man, you know, he's probably a mature guy. And he said that he wanted to come and join us. And, and he, uh, in his work, he had been like a handyman and remodeling and, you know, knew all these kinds of things. He said, yeah, I just want my my focus on the mission field is just to support missionaries, you know, and help with maintenance and fix things and which I'm not good at any of that stuff. So I thought, wow, that's awesome. Like, yes, I don't want to run anything. I don't want to preach. You know, I just want to support you and, you know, fix stuff that breaks, which happens a lot in the third world. And I said, cool. Like, that sounds great. Come and join us. So he was in a different city, and he moved to our city and joined us. And I thought, okay, this is going to be great. So then pretty quickly I noticed that almost every day he had some advice for me. Pretty much every day. Like I'd run it, we had a little medical clinic, and then we had the church that we were working in, working in the community there. And so when I would run into him, you know, in the morning, he'd just have these things he'd want to tell me. And at first, you know, I was really like respectful and just really listening, you know, but like after a while, like it got to be a lot, like every day. You know, like I just, I couldn't take that much advice. It was more than I could process, certainly more than I could apply. And I'm like, okay, you know, thanks. And then it got to the point where I'd see him coming and I would suddenly get very busy doing something, you know, and just like, again, hints, you know, body language, list, you know, <laughs> let me find something to do. He didn't like that, apparently. Uh, he took offense to that, it seems, <laughs> Because it was a short time later, we were in a, in a service. He leaves in the middle of the service, him and his wife, and he's clearly upset. I don't know why. And so later on, I go by his house, and, uh, and I say, hey, you know, can we talk? It seems like you were upset. And he says, sure, we can talk. You know, so, all right, well, you want to just come over to the house? And he's, yeah. You know, he comes over to the house, and he just starts laying into me. You know, it's like, the way that you guys take care of the children in the church is, is, is terrible, you know, and it's, it's awful. You know, you just don't even know what you're doing. And I'm thinking, like, we could really use help. You want to you wanna help with the children? You know? and, uh, and just, you know, you trying to uh, speak in that church with your broken Spanish, that's awful, you know. And I, I'm doing the best I can. I realize it's not great, you know. <laughs> I'm trying here. And, I'm, he, and, you know, and he just keeps going into me. And I finally say, look, you know, I, I asked you here just to see if, 
we could find a way to get along. And, uh, you know, like there's no shortage of ministry here. Like in every direction, you know, needs are everywhere. We'll never meet them all. Surely we can find a way to work together. And you can focus on your stuff and I'll focus on my stuff and we'll be friends. No, you know, everything you're doing is wrong and it's terrible. And, you know, the conversation was going nowhere. And so it just kind of ended like that. And he left and uh, didn't talk to him for a while. He was, he was clearly upset. And in those days, uh, those were the early days of me learning about the Father's love. And, you know, I had the thought, you know, how do you show a guy like this the Father's love? I'm not, I'm not really sure. I was having more thoughts of, like, showing him the law, you know, <laughs> like Chuck Norris style, you know, like, show him the law. <laughs> I want to read a verse to you in in Deuteronomy 28, verses 1 and 2. It says, Now it shall come to pass, if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God, to observe carefully all his commandments, which I command you today, that the Lord your God will set you on high above all nations of the earth, and all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you, because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. So this is a cool verse. Um, you know, anytime you read the Old Testament, I think we can get a little hung up on the word obey. But if, if you think about it like aligning your heart with God's heart, right? Like sensing his love for what he wants to do and receiving that love and flowing in that love. And obedience kind of takes care of itself when you do that, right? Like if you're loving God, you're going to keep the Ten Commandments. You know, it's not a willpower obey thing, right? You want to. Um, we got a new puppy. We're learning how to help the puppy want to do things. It's, it's a real challenge. We're learning. <laughs> but when you're living in this place with, in alignment with God's heart, he sets you up on high above the nations, and his blessings come upon you and overtake you, which I think is pretty amazing. Because if you talk to a lot of Christians, they're speaking faith, they're quoting verses, they're praying hard, they're chasing God's blessings and feeling like they never quite catch up to them, right? But this verse is saying what? Those blessings come looking for us. We're not even looking for them. They're overtaking us because we're living in this higher place in alignment with God's heart. But then a little further in the chapter, Deuteronomy 28, 15, if you don't obey, curses come upon you. So again, you know, depending on your filter, curse can be kind of a strong word, right? It, it can be a correct word, but it can be a, a strong word. But if you just think of, if I'm carrying long-term resentments and, and just bitterness that I've carried over how I've been hurt, it's someone who's betrayed me and I've not dealt with it, and it's festering in there, you know, that can affect my emotional well-being. That can affect how I relate to other people. You know, that, that can, you know, hinder my life in many ways like a curse, you know, on my life. Um, it says right in the verse before that, I don't think I wrote it here, um, that when we are walking in that higher place, everything we put our hands to will prosper. You know, and our storehouses will be full. But then... There's a place, let me see if, I don't know if we have the verse here. Um, It's kind of the opposite of that. Like everything's going wrong, nothing's blessed, and, you know, we're in a lean place. So I'll give you an example of this. Uh, One time we were having a service 
at our church in the Dominican Republic, and it was a wonderful service. And the present worship in Spanish was fantastic, probably what our guys have experienced this past week down in Costa Rica. Can't wait to hear their stories. I'm sure they have. Uh, but we had a service like that, just presence of God, like this morning, wonderful. And I loved everybody. When that service was over, I loved everybody. I was in a higher place, okay? So then we had heard about a new fast food restaurant that opened called the Pojo Rey, which is the Chicken King. And we never had a fast food restaurant in this little town, so it seemed pretty cool to us. After a while, you miss such things, if that's possible. And so uh, we go there after the church service. We're going to get us, uh, you know, some fried chicken. They had a drive through you know. And so we get there, and we place our order, and we start waiting for our food to come. And some time goes by. Still waiting. More time goes by. Waiting. Another person came, ordered, received their food. I'm still waiting. And all of a sudden, I just run out of my patience. I, I, I come down from the higher place, and, and I just start yelling for the manager. You know, I want to speak to the manager. So, like, it had been a half hour, you know. I want to speak to the, someone get me the manager. And, I, you know, my Spanish was not good in those days. I, I doubt very seriously that this little employee, you know, understood what I was saying. Just some crazy American, you know, gringo is yelling in their restaurant, you know, for something. And I was uh, not in a higher place. I didn't love everybody. <laughs> I was very frustrated. And afterwards, I felt very condemned, you know, because I lost control and I lost my patience and I made a fool of myself in public and I'm trying to be the missionary, you know, and, and be that guy in town, you know, that spread the word and spread the love. And I definitely wasn't doing it at that moment. So if I'm impatient with the shortcomings of a restaurant or another person, you know, what will I reap? If that's what I sow, what will I reap? It might be hard for me to feel like God is patient with my shortcomings, right? Because that's my mindset. That's what I'm sowing. I might find it difficult to, to realize other people are being patient with my shortcomings, And it's living under the law. It's living in a lower place. I want to give you a definition of the law that I came up with. Because the law is a big subject. We could speak for days on the various aspects of what law means in the Bible. But I find this definition very helpful for the subject at hand. It's what I deem as right and correct and using that to be righteous. Whatever I deem to be right and correct and using that to feel that I'm right, that I'm righteous. So in this particular instance, you said you're fast food. Give me good service and you are acceptable in my sight. And if you don't, you're not acceptable in my sight. And I judge you and I yell for the manager in broken Spanish. Under the law, living in a lower place. Does that make sense? Interesting verse in Romans 10.5, Moses writes about the righteousness which is of the law. The man who does those things shall live by them. You get it? 
If I'm living by the law, those things that I deem are correct, and we all do it and we're all okay, and if we all don't do it, we're not okay. The law, then I'm going to live by those things and suffer the consequences thereof. In Galatians 5, 3 and 4, I testify again to every man that is circumcised, Christ has become of no effect unto you. Whoever of you are justified by the law, you are fallen from grace. So instead of good service, in their case, it was circumcision. In their mind, that's what was required to be right with God. If we're all going to be okay, the men have to be circumcised. And he's saying, you've left grace at that point. You've become under the law, and Christ has become of no effect for you. Now, it doesn't mean that Christ is not effective, right? It means that I'm getting cut off from that. That uh, you are fallen from grace. I like the word in Spanish, desligado, which means like untied or separated. I've become untied or separated from God's grace. Christ is no longer effective for me. Not because he's unwilling, but I'm cutting myself off from that place. So... There's a lower place of living under the law, and there's a higher place of living in God's grace. There's a, some interesting verses further along, same chapter, Galatians 5.18. Listen to this. If you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Isn't that interesting? There's a place, there's a higher place where you can live not under the law. A place of being led by God's Spirit. But what's the opposite of that? If I'm led by the flesh, if I'm not led by the Spirit, where am I? I'm under the law. I'm under the law. Look at 19 through 21. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, Selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envies, murders, drunkenness, rivalries. Those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Not receive the benefits of living in the higher place. Dis- being, living disconnected from God's grace. Not inheriting the, the, the kingdom of God when you practice these things. So the deeds of the flesh, you know, getting into judgment, getting under the law, open up the door to the enemy to bring in destruction, cursing into your life. Does that make sense? The deeds of, of the flesh will set law in motion in your life. I'm, I'm sowing to the flesh and, I, and I'm reaping thereof. It's interesting if you look through this list, how many of these different things have to do with our relationships with each other, contentions, strife, jealousies, hatred, right? All speaking about our relationships with each other. So it's, it's important, you know, that person who's been hurtful to me, I'd like to just forget about them, ignore them, avoid them. But if I can deal with my heart, if I can pray through it, if I can get counsel, if I can see if there's a way to love this hurtful person, there's great benefit. There's a higher place of living in God's grace because God was graceful to me in my shortcomings and my sins and my failings. 
right? This is the Father's love in application. Galatians 5, 22 and 23, the verses of the fruit of the Spirit. For the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Notice how many of these have to do with relationships as well, right? Being kind to people, being good to people, loving toward people. And then what's the final thing it says in the verse? Against such there is no law. Isn't that interesting? A higher place of living in God's grace. Our futures are dependent on understanding these principles. When I can live in God's grace and live in that higher place, you know, I, I, I cut off the, the open door to the enemy. I cut off reaping from the flesh, and I live in God's free gift, his grace and his love. God moves by grace. God traffics in grace. That's how God operates. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. God traffics in grace. Satan, on the other hand, is a legalist, constantly demanding what is right and, and what is just, and everything is about judgment. He traffics according to the law. And he wants to use the flesh to trap us into reaping those things of that lower place. God wants to give us a gift that we don't deserve. Grace is a higher place than what is just and what is right. right? If God gave us what is just and what is right, we'd all be doomed, right? But he sent Jesus. Revelation 12.10 says that Satan is the accuser of the brethren. So that's what he does, right? He goes around and accuses. Look at that guy. Look how terrible he is. Look at that person on your job. They don't like you. They never talk to you. They're probably talking about you behind your back. Look at how that other person came in who's popular. They walked right by you, didn't say a word to you. They don't like you. Accusations. You, didn't, you, didn't, you don't look good today. You, don't, you didn't try hard enough today. You don't, you don't measure up in what you're trying to do right now. Accusations. Satan is the accuser of the brethren. One of the names of God, one of the names of the Holy Spirit is the comforter. So what kind of things does the comforter say? I love you. I'm for you. I've got you. You're going to get through this. I know the thoughts that I have towards you, good thoughts and not evil thoughts, to give you hope and to give you a future, right? Comfort, love, encouragement, the comforter. Whose side do you want to be on? If we want what is right and what is just, we'll reap what we sow. But when we can show mercy, we will receive mercy for our shortcomings and our failings. You know, when, when we see the faults of others, and especially if we're hurt by the shortcomings of others, it, you know, it's easy to fall into that, you know, accusation and, and, and judgment and pointing of the finger, being critical and we don't realize it, but our thoughts are coming into agreement with the accuser of the brethren. And we'll reap what we sow. But it's so easy to step back up into the higher place. God, I come before you 
And I ask for your free gift of mercy and love. You know, God, I admit that I've gone into criticism and judgment. Forgive me. I want to walk in your love. Show me your ways. Show me your heart. You know, when, when someone mistreats us, it's normal to be hurt. But we have a choice in how we respond, right? If someone's hurt us, you know, do we pray, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do, right? They must be a hurt person to be acting in the way that they are. God, is there a way that I can show them love? Is there a way that I can show them your goodness? Or do I get into all the accusations and all the hurt and the pointing of the finger, demanding justice? I make the decision whether to receive bad treatment from another person as a blessing or as a curse. Ephesians 4, 26 and 27 be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. So if someone hurts me and I move into anger and I don't deal with it, right? I don't get counsel. I don't get prayer. I don't work out what's going on in my heart and find God's love in the middle of the thing. I give place to the devil, right? I'm giving the devil the key to the front door of my house, this missionary I was telling you about, he continued to be mad with us. And he started going house to house in, in this neighborhood where we worked, talking bad about us. And he said he was going to start another church around the corner from us and take all the members of the church and all this kind of stuff. None of those things happened. Um, him starting a church didn't happen. Um, but him talking bad about us throughout the neighborhood did happen. And that was hard. And that was hurtful. And I was new. And I didn't know what to do. So I called his pastor. He was out of a church in another city in Florida. And I called his pastor and I said, you know, there's this missionary down here from your church. Yeah, we know him. And I said, well, he's uh, angry with us and he's going around bad-mouthing us everywhere he goes. And I tried to talk to him and he wouldn't hear it. And I, I'm really at a loss. I don't know what to do. You know, can you intervene somehow? And you're not going to believe what the pastor said. He said, we actually can't help you. Really? Yeah. He was at a ministry in Mexico for about a year, and he did the same thing there. Everything blew up, and we tried to talk to everybody and work it all out, and we didn't get anywhere. Then he was at another ministry in the Dominican Republic, but in Santo Domingo, the main city, had a big blow up there. And we even flew our leadership team down to meet with everybody and got nowhere. So we didn't even know he had moved on to join you in your city. But we've tried and tried with this guy, and, and we honestly don't know what to do. So I'm sorry, and I can't help you. Great. So my thoughts got into alignment with the accuser of the brethren, and I began to experience oppression and every time poor, I'm around my poor wife, Cindy, and we've got to make, like, for example, the you know, hour and a half drive to Santa Domingo to get groceries and stuff like that, the whole way there, can you believe this guy? This guy's older, like he's retirement age, and he's still so immature, and look what he's doing, talking bad about us and blowing up ministries everywhere he goes, and like, what is wrong with this guy? Who is, like, he's a missionary? Like, is he a Christian? Like, what is going on? 
You know, my, his poor Cindy would just, you know, I know it's terrible, honey, you know, all the way to the Capitol, hour and a half drive all the way back. I'm just under oppression. I, my thoughts are I'm in a lower place. My thoughts are in agreement with the accuser, and I'm just spouting out the negativity, right? And, and it's not accomplishing much other than cycling the pain. <laughs> One study showed that 80% of Christians' thoughts are negative all the time. They don't like me. They don't speak to me. You know, they don't care about me. Satan wants us to reap a curse. He wants to get us under the law where our flesh will set in motion, you know, the, those, those things of the law that will bring cursing into our life, failing. God wants us in a higher place where his blessings come chasing us down. 1 Peter 3, 8, and 9, these are great verses. Finally, all of you be of one mind, having compassion for one another. Love as brothers. Be tenderhearted. Be courteous. Look at verse 9. Not returning evil for evil or, railing or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, blessing. Knowing that you were called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. That's my whole message in verse 9 right there, right? When we can show love to difficult people and work those things out in our hearts, we're called to that by our Father. We're called to live in that higher place to show the world that kind of love, even the difficult people. And when we do, we inherit a blessing. God's blessings come seeking us down, and everything we put our hands to will prosper. I want to show it to you again. Luke 6, verse 27, I'm going to save time by reading the whole chapter. I'm going to read 27, 32, and 35. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. But if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them, verse 35. But love your enemies, do good and lend, hoping for nothing in return, and your reward will be great. There it is again. And you will be sons of the Most High. In other words, you're called to this. You're being like your father. You're being a son to your heavenly father. This is what he's all about. You'll be sons to the Most High, for he is kind to the unthankful and evil. Have we received the difficult people in our lives as an instrument of blessing, as a way that we can grow in his love? I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying, you know, we might, I, I know I've had certain situations. I've got an accountability friend. We do a once, he's a guy in ministry up in, in Michigan. We do a once a week phone call with each other and pray for each other. We're in similar ministries. We've done this for like 15 years and I'm, I'm either, you know, confessing what's going on to him or him to me and we're praying for each other. And sometimes it takes several phone calls, you know, to get over a particular thing. But it's worth it. It's worth it. Verses 37 and 38. Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Verse 38. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put into your bosom. For if the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. Here it is yet again, just like in the other places that we, we saw. When, when, when we give, when we, when we forgive, when we love the difficult people, 
those blessings of God come over our lives, good measure, pressed down, shaken together. You know, people use this verse when they want to take up offerings, but what's the context of all these verses we just looked at? Loving difficult people, right? And being kind to hurtful people. So I'm learning about the Father's love at this time. I'm learning like, okay, I got to figure out how to put it into action with this guy because this is just eating my lunch day by day. And somehow we got to find a way to go forward. Like if I run into him at the hardware store, you know, or at the grocery store, you know, it'd be nice to not immediately want to walk in the other direction. But <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'd at least be able to say hi to the guy. I, I don't think I'll ever work with him again because, you know, he can't be trusted. But we can be cordial maybe, you know. So step one is seeking God's forgiveness for violating the law of judging. Asking God to forgive me for the way that I've been accusatory. Maybe it's just in my heart. Maybe I didn't even speak it out. But in my heart has been this critical attitude toward a particular person, right? God, would you forgive me for that? You know, would you cleanse me and, and help me see your heart in the middle of this thing? Help me see that this must be a hurt person, even if I don't understand it, right? And then step two um, oftentimes involves making restitution, I do want to give one kind of short disclaimer as we kind of finish up here. Um, I'm not saying we put ourselves in positions to be abused. You know, there's, there's a difference between a hard attitude that's correct and, and having healthy boundaries, right? So I'm not saying go live in some, in some kind of situation where you just continue to be abused. Or, or just like this guy, I, I, this guy would have to show repentance and trust before I'd ever actually minister with him again. Right? But still, there, there's my side of the street. Right, There's my heart being right. So trust and forgiveness are two different things. It's a very important thing to, to know. And sometimes we confuse those two things in our minds. But seeking forgiveness, you know, asking God to forgive you for violating the law of judgment, and then making restitution. And I felt in this case I needed to do that. So several months had gone by, and I went by his house one day, I didn't know if he'd even let me in. And I said, hey, can I talk with you? He said, sure, come on in. So I sat down and I said, um, you know, some, several months back when, you know, we had our disagreements and so forth, uh, I want to talk to you about that. I'd like to ask you to forgive me for my part in that. I, I know one thing that you said is, is you'd often kind of try to come and talk to me and I would just ignore you. You know what? That's right. I did do that. And I'm sorry that, that I responded that way. That was not correct. And, and anything else that I've done, you know, that, that's, that you felt like has been offensive, I just ask you to forgive me. And I just, you know, want to be brothers in the Lord. And he said, I, I, I forgive you. And he, and he said, um, he said, you know, I, I, I said some things. I got some things off my chest. And uh, that's how my dad taught me. He said, if a man's got something to say, he gets it off his chest. That was it. That's all he said. That was his I guess, I don't know if that was apology or not, but that's what he said. And it didn't matter. I, didn't, I wasn't looking for that. I was looking to get my side of the street cleaned up. And, and as much as I can do, live in the Father's love. And that's, that's, that's it. If you, whatever he does, that's between him and God. Right? And that, that cleared the air between us. I could run into him in the store or wherever. And we could be cordially to each other and friendly. And, you know, how are things going? And, th and that was it. 
And um, such a blessing of God started coming on our lives at, at that point. Um, we got this huge project for our, our medical clinic that reached the entire community. And we had, um, I think we had like six doctors, and then each doctor had a team, and they would go to the people's houses and, and, and update medical records. And everybody knew that it was like our ministry doing this. It was a huge opportunity for the gospel and, and for outreach of the church. And it, it was just amazing. It just came out of nowhere. And, <coughs> excuse me, I didn't plan it this way, but it's, it's, it's what happened. He sat on the sidelines and watched all of that. He wanted to kind of take over the clinic at one point, but it wasn't mine to give and it, and it wasn't his to take. Um, it's just what God did, but um, it was just incredible, the blessing. that So many things uh, started coming into our lives in, in that time frame that were just huge blessings. That's when we started uh, the early, early days of knowing Jack Frost and traveling with Shiloh Place and, and beginning to go there and receive ministry from them. What, what, you were just absolutely life-changing as that unfolded. And... You know, it's the higher place, living, you know, with our hearts open to God's forgiveness and His grace. Um, so just in finishing, I want to I pray with you this morning. Um, just a healing prayer. I want to ask if you would just close your eyes. We can pray for a crop failure. Any seeds of judgment that you may have sown, we can, we can pray to... Ask God to erase that with the blood of Jesus. So I just ask you to pray this out with me. Heavenly Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. So grateful for your grace and unconditional love. I confess that I have not always been walking in your grace. There are times pride has stood in my way of my relationship with you and others. I've come into an agreement with the enemy through my thoughts and attitudes. I've been critical and judgmental. I ask you to forgive me. Cleanse me in the blood of Jesus. Cleanse me of my unrighteous thoughts attitudes and actions I choose to forgive each person who has hurt me so just take a minute with your eyes still closed if there's someone coming to mind that's been really hurtful toward you would you just talk to God about it <clears throat> there might be someone here a couple people here where you feel like it was too much. I, I can't just forgive that person this quick on a Sunday morning. That's okay. Just talk to God about it. God, would you help me to come to the place where I am ready? Some of you may be ready to forgive. Someone clear might be coming to mind. It might be small. They just cross boundaries, small things. They give unsolicited advice. 
but you can feel you've been kind of critical toward them. You've had a little bit of an attitude toward them. God, forgive me. I forgive them, God. I ask you to forgive me. And maybe it's deeper. Maybe someone's betrayed you. They've been really hurtful to you. God, help me see that person with your eyes. Help me see the hurt that they're living in. God, I want to forgive them. I want to release them into your hands. They're your project, not my project. Only you can fix that person, God. I choose to let them go. I choose to love. Even if I have to do that with boundaries, I choose to love them. Put them in your hands. If you can just mention that person to the Lord if you're ready to do that. So God, I do mention to you this person. Tell God their name quietly, just where you're seated. God, I choose to forgive them and I choose to bless them. If you feel like that's just too big of a step, God, help me. I'm not ready to go quite that far this morning, but you're patient, you're kind, and you're loving, and you know how to help me get there. So would you help me get there? Would you help me get my heart to the place where I can fully let this go and fully put it in your hands? God, thank you that you're so loving to me and you're so kind and you're so patient with my faults and my shortcomings, with how slow I am sometimes to come around to your love in these situations. And yet you're still there with open arms, ready to receive me, ready to help me, ready to cover me in the blood of Jesus and give me your grace and your spirit to live in a higher place. Father, thank you in Jesus' name. Um, just a finishing I wanted to mention we have a uh, sheet in the back for our newsletter if you'd like to keep up with what we're doing with pastors and um, the nations we send out only a once a month uh, deal so we'd love for you to sign up for that in the back if you don't receive that um, and God bless it's just such a privilege to speak in my home church love you guys